Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the 150th edition of Cinema Effect. I'm Zach, and I'm joined by Disney's number one hater, Jaden. Hello. Should I wave to them or not? I'm fucking know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Hey, everyone. How are you? <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. And, of course, our resident Irish citizen, a.k.a. Fitzy, a.k.a. Liam. Hello. Hello. Guys. Hello. How you doing? I feel we I've, I've literally already explained this in the previous failed recording, but we're on video. So if you're listening on Spotify, listening on any of the audio places, for the first time ever, it's worth coming over to YouTube. You get some quality, high production content. Oh, it was always worth the YouTube to comment, you know? Yeah, but ne- yeah, now you can comment on Spotify. Can you though? Cause I yeah, because like, I, I tried looking for that setting as well. I couldn't find it either. No. Unless you're on the computer. I think you said it was I like, think it's mobile only right now. Yeah. Uh, I think. Yeah, let me look. I think I swear I tried look. looking for that on the phone, but oh. I couldn't. You couldn't find it on I the phone find- either? Have a look. I'll Maybe, try some oh, I didn't really update my Spotify though, so maybe I had to do that. Yeah, take a look. I don't know. I've definitely seen it on the phone, but I must admit, it's pretty disappointing that they like, like they made a big deal about this to me as a member. They were like, oh, use our new features. And I was like, yeah, great. I'll use your new features. And then I use them and they're like, oh, but it doesn't work for tons of people. What do you mean as a member? What's this show called? Is it like? I get, I upload all the audio side through their, uh, through their podcast they call it Spotify oh, okay. for podcasts. They have a special now. special feature. Yeah. Well, it's just the it's the hosting for the audio, right? And it's owned by them, so they want me to use it and shit properly. Any luck? Oh yeah, I can I can press reply. Yeah. And before you oh. participate, make sure you've read it under certain terms. Oh, that's another thing. You can read and display replies on Spotify. I tried to rate another podcast the other day on Spotify because I, I usually listen to it on YouTube, but I just went over to Spotify to give them a rating, and it was like, you need to listen to this podcast before you rate it. Uh, and oh, I was okay. like, which I appreciate the sentiment, but like it was yeah. annoying because I just wanted to give them the rating. I because listened. I was able to rate Cinema Effect, but not, I don't think I was able to do other podcasts. Right, yeah. right. Do I you think if I comment you're all cucks, I'll get banned from Spotify? <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. How good is Spotify's comment moderation? Uh, I'm not, not going to test Let's them. expose them. It's all brand new. They've probably got nothing. You've got a 200 character limit per comment though. Okay. Dude, you can yeah. probably. That's like more than Twitter, isn't it? No, Twitter's made it to like fucking 480 now. Yeah, it's, it used to be like 140. Isn't this great yeah. this movie discussion? Oh, this is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, what are we doing? Oh, yeah, this is Cinema Effect. Wow, the podcast where we review and talk about a different movie every single Monday. And this week, that movie is Whiplash, which opened in the US on October 10th, 2014. It was directed by Damien Chazelle. It is a musical drama. And the synopsis says, a promising young drummer enrolls at a cutthroat music conservatory. Don't do hey. the bit again. <laughs> I won't, I won't put you through that. Um, where his dreams of greatness are mentored by an instructor who will stop at nothing to realise a student's potential. Very good. All right. What do we do? Fitzy. Yeah. Okay. Do you um, not want to go first? What, no, what, I'll go what, first. What, what do you think of Whiplash and how many times have you seen it? Um, this is my fourth or fifth time seeing Whiplash. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's still great. It's... Like, my love for it has died down a little bit because I watched it I watched it in 2014 or, like, 2015, like, when it came to rent pretty much. And that was, like, it was pretty mind-blowing for me at the time. Um, I remember, like, watching the finale on my iPad mini on the way back from Melbourne. Um, and I was, like, you know, it was, like, the hardest <laughs> cinema. Um, yeah. But it's still great. It's still, like, incredibly tense and incredibly fun so yeah you rented it on your ipad mini yeah i did that's a throwback i love that um i don't know man it's whiplash you know mm. we've all seen it we all like it yeah 
It's great. I actually didn't think I'd have a ton to say coming in just because, like, I sort of take for granted everyone loves this movie. But uh, I wrote notes like a man-man, actually, so I'm excited. This movie rules. Everyone knows it's great. Everyone's seen it, hopefully, out there. Um, see, now I can I can look. I have a yeah, direction to address look, the audience. Yeah. You, look here, look here. And the audience is also there. So it's just amazing. They missed out on the whole Brian and Max conversation. I'm disappointed about that. Yeah. Shout out to Brian and Max from IGN. I'll just say that. Mm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, this movie rules. Couldn't recommend enough to everyone and anyone at all. It's fantastic. But yeah, we'll get into why, I guess. Jaden, what do you think of Whiplash? How many times have you seen it? Um, I think it's my third time. Okay. Um, yeah, same. Yeah, sorry. I should have said it's also my third. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think my position with this is kind of similar to where you were at Social Network, where great movie, love it, love it as it plays. But then afterwards, it doesn't really leave you to sit with too much, you know? Okay. Like, it doesn't leave you with that emotion. To, like, obviously, when you're watching it, it's fucking tense, and sweaty, and it's fucking in it. But like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's true. But, yeah. like, you know, once it's done, it's done to me. I, I, and it just, uh, that's kind of what you were saying with Social Network, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I feel like I'm in that position. Okay. All right. No, fair enough. For me, if I had to point out one thing as to why this movie is so great, is the performances, but it's specifically... J.K. Simmons, right? Yes. I reckon. Does he is he the holy grail of this movie? Yes or no? You know. Because I feel like I say that and I believe in it, but I feel like I could also see a counter argument where people think it's like, all right, he's a bit overhyped now. You know. Hmm. I don't know. Well, I think Miles Teller is like more important. I guess. So, I mean, J.K. Simmons is. It's like the best. I don't know. Angry yelling guy performance, but. <laughs> right. um, yeah, I haven't seen the thick of it. The what? I haven't. Huh? What's that? Oh, it's a it's a British TV show where Peter Capaldi plays an angry yelling guy. He swears a lot more. Oh, the thing that um the movie yeah is based in the loop yeah, is based on. Yeah. Right. And we he plays a better angry yelling guy than J.K. in this film. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's more comedic, like far more comedic though. It's it's funnier. Yeah. And he swears more. Yeah. I didn't think that was actually possible yeah. after seeing this movie. To be honest. Mm. Okay. All right. I don't know, man. I think he's so entertaining. He delivers in every moment. I actually think, I don't know, like, I get what you mean. Like, you know, max level intensity 100 all the time in terms of looking at that side of the performance. But I feel like I actually, especially this time, appreciated more the quieter moments with him. Like every time every every time you get a quiet, peaceful conversation with Fletcher, something's wrong in your bones, I feel like, watching this movie. Like that, that yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that first casual chat he has with, with uh, Andrew. In the hallway, and there's like, oh yeah, you don't know. worry about what the other guys are thinking. Exactly, <laughs> you know, have fun out there. Do your have best, fun, he yeah. says. <laughs> I like how he he he, he goes to find out more about him so he can insult him better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, as ammunition. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. I don't know, man. The way he's so casual, knowing like what he really has in him, it's like disturbing to watch that those scenes. And there's a few yeah, of them throughout. It's creepy, yeah. It really is creepy. I think what my, I think I think like my favorite part of like just the performance is when Miles Tetler Andrews is first looking through that window into the band room and J.K. Simmons is just fucking staring back at it. And like, he's just staring daggers. Like, like, um, it's like one of my favourite bits. It's just... Oh, yeah. No, that is that is fantastic. Yeah. And he's... Oh, I don't know, man. The way, yeah, he's so judgmental. Like, in that scene, he's judgmental of his dad for being a high school teacher, you know? There's that yeah. little subtle where he's like, uh, looks down on him. Mm. This guy isn't great. I don't know. But there's also that scene where Fletcher's being cute with a little girl in the room <laughs> In the hallway, and he's like, "Are you going to play in my band when you grow up?" And she's like, "Yeah, and a high five. 
and then walks in. Listen up, cocksuckers. It's just so, dude, it, I don't know. I just find it so hilarious. And it's actually, this time it was that that duality of it, of like the the quieter moments made the loud moments so much better. It wasn't, I didn't feel like I was just watching a guy scream at people and it's cool. Like mm. it was it was a layer deeper for me this time. And a bit of, I mean, of course, when he screams at people, it's hilarious. Um, but hang on, I don't want to, I don't want to skip over Miles Teller, of course. Andrew Neiman, protagonist of this movie, he's a great actor, obviously. But is he is he is he the heart of this movie? Does he deliver that for you, Fitzy? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. this okay. is like, I mean, I guess I saw him in um, that romantic movie with Shailene Woodley beforehand. But what? like, what's that? I forgot what it's called. I literally looked at it yesterday. Um, but, oh, the spectacular now. Yeah. But like, this film is like, what like. The main thing I think of when I think of Miles Teller, mm. um, and he's like such a, I don't know, he's like really awkward and he's like, he feels smaller than he is, you know? Okay. But like when you watch him in Top Gun Maverick, you're like, oh, this is like a confident, you know? Yeah. He's like a Han Solo type character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, it's a, it's a great performance. It is. Um, it is. There were, there were other people considered, like I read in the trivia that they were thinking about the... I think his name's Johnny Simons. You played him in the short film. Um, Did they give him another role? No, he's not in it. He's not. I thought. I thought at first he played the guy, like the the first drummer that he that, that they swap between. I don't know. Sure. What is, Wait, what's like his name? The one in the band or the one in the early room? On the band. Uh. I thought that was him. Anyway, I thought that was like Andrew, like from the short film that they gave him a role, but it wasn't. Um, I don't know. But for, yeah, for those who don't know, like Whiplash was Damien Chazelle couldn't get the funding for the feature. So he made the short film with J.K. Simmons in it, but like everyone else wasn't the same. But J.K. Simmons was the same. And then uh, shot the short film, showed it, immediately got the funding for this feature. So that short film was made with the intention of making this film later. It wasn't like a quit and like later it came up or whatever. Um, but they were considering going with that bloke again. They were considering, I read Dane DeHaan was considered for this role, which is interesting. I like him as an actor, but he's a he's, he's a bit of a weirdo, you know. <laughs> right, he's got a sort of a creepy face, you know. At least to me, <laughs> like, that fits the role. I think. Right. I think like Andrew's a bit awkward, a bit, you know, socially isolated. I guess. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Dan DeHaan was doing better things anyway because he was doing Amazing Spider-Man Two at that stage. So. Oh sure, yeah. 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 He's he's got a perfect Wait, Green Goblin. Did you look up the the actor like the redhead actor? Because is is his last name actually O'Connor? That would be so funny. Was it? I think his name was Connolly in the film, wasn't it? Not O'Connor. It was Connolly. Right, yeah, 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 sure, sure. Yeah. Um, but it would be funny if he, actually, he had like a really Irish name. Yeah. No, with all it's, the fucking it's insults still. Okay. Oh, with all the insults at that's crap. JK Fresno. That's crap. Um, I just want to make, sorry, I'm bringing this up because Marcel's great in the movie. No doubt. Really like Andrew, really like everything he does with the story, but like, I feel like he's the most, like, I could see five other people in this role and I feel like it'd just be as good. In 2014? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think the fact that they were even like they didn't know sort of indicates to me that like the role isn't as the role's more fluid than Fletcher. Like there's no. Yeah, but isn't that. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm just trying to, I guess, determine their their, their value (laughs) in that way, I guess. But um, he's really good. My favorite delivery of Miles Teller, though, is. You you know, it's going to. Flip my pages, bitch. Was it? I think no. We've done it before. Do you know what it is? Um, I think. Oh, I can't wait, remember. Was it with you? 
I'm upset. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, we've talked about this because in that scene, he actually looks like he's laughing a bit. That's why like, yeah, yeah, his yeah. face is a bit smirky, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, Really intense that scene. Is, that is hilarious. He's, like, he's literally crying. I'm upset. Are you yeah. one of those single-tiered people? So funny. Yeah, yeah. I'm upset. So good. I feel like I have to ask the question. There's no, there's no getting around. Okay, I'll, I'll say this. There's no getting around Fletcher, his tactics, inti- mass intimidation, you know, complete, severe emotional and physical abuse of his students. Is it, uh, this time I'm sort of thinking, is it all an act? You know, like to what degree we understand his motivation, you know, we understand he's trying to create the next, who's the guy, Jackie? Charlie Bird. Charlie. Oh, Charlie Parker. Charlie Parker. He's trying to create, he's trying to create the next great, amazing musician, basically, through what he sees as tough love, I guess, whatever, you know, pushing people to the next limit, determination, all that sort of thing. But when we do get those quieter moments, like I really like that scene in the in the jazz lounge where he, I mean, in that scene, he just lays out literally. He literally just explains the movie to you, uh, which is fine. But he's he's super chill in that scene. He's just like a chill ass dude, you know, guy plays. Yeah, a jazz but he's still trying to bait. Neiman in that scene, like it's still like yeah. this, it was still like this false kind of chill. You think so? Yeah, because you know when he when he because that's that 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 all is the setup of inviting him to play and then you know talking him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, that makes tons. Yeah, that's interesting. Although beforehand that- he is like he's unaware of Neiman. He's like playing the piano, like pretty relaxed, I guess. But he's not. I don't mm. think of him as a, as a chill guy, but it is like another side of him, I guess. But we see it like a little bit. Yeah. Off. Yeah. I guess I'm trying to determine. I didn't directly think of that. Like the whole time he's consciously baiting him. You know what I mean? I sort of just I sort of just took him at face value in that scene and then afterwards he invites him, you know, sort of spur of the moment. But that's obviously I think that's what he's trying to get yeah. across, but it's not genuine. That's interesting. I'm trying to figure out what is Fletcher like at home, you know? Yeah, I like, like what really? does he what does he do when he gets home? Right. right. <laughs> Like and and like, what is his real personality? Genuinely, like, is he, is he, he's again aware of what he's doing, but is he like fully aware that it's like a performance to him when he walks into work, when he's around anyone else, you know? Or is it is that who he is? Like, he's actually a complete prick. In well, every he's, way, self, you know? he's self-aware because for sure, like in that in the lounge scene, he he makes a joke. You know, he says why anyone would have anything bad to say about me, but. Yeah. For sunshine and rainbows or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, yeah, you do see like another side of him when he talks to the like the old mentor, like the old student or whatever, with his daughter or whatever in the hallway. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. I think he he probably, you know, he saves all his energy for work, and then outside of it, he's not that crazy, maybe. Yeah. Well, who knows how often he's home as well? I mean, they said they didn't shoot it till fucking two a.m. one time. That was crazy. Oh, yeah, they started to it. That was crazy. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I know his, his manipulation overall, like, never, the, the best summary for me is like, never has severe abuse been so funny. You know, it's like, it's terrible. Like, it's objectively vile. You know what I mean? What he does, I think. <laughs> the camera i want to zoom in on face just was right there <laughs> i mean i understand it to it like i think i think he obviously crosses a line but like uh, like under, like his his perception of 
there's nothing more harmful than good, the words a good job, I think is fair. It's a great line, yeah. I, I think that's fair. Like, obviously, he oversteps way too much, and that's what the, the film clearly tells us that. But, like, yeah. I don't think, I mean, obviously, yeah, it's pretty bad. But, I mean, like, in, in uni, college, like, it's... Conservatory. You know, yeah, yeah. like, I think uh, this more kind of casual relationship between professors and students and then, like, can kind of spur something similar to that, you know? I mean, I've never had a lecturer, that, you know, like berate me like that, but, you know, you do have casual conversations. So I can imagine this is like just being like an elevation of that, you know? An elevation for sure. I mean, he literally slaps the shit out of him, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I get what you mean, though. Like he's trying to, I guess he's trying to develop. Has it ever, I mean, he says it's never worked in terms of creating a great, but has he ever created a bond I feel like what you're saying is usually in service of like a relationship of like, you know, connecting with a, a student teacher dynamic on like a deeper level or like trying to at least un- be more understanding, but then be more real at the same time. You know what I mean? I don't feel like anyone is like closer to Fletcher, if that makes sense, as a result of what he's doing. Yeah. 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 You know? yes. That kid that killed himself, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. It was gnarly. I, yeah. I think I watched, I don't know if I watched an essay or something like saying about. Like, um, that might be hinting at, like, kind of Naaman's future. Like, he's always kind of in service to him, I guess. Like, in that way, the ending would be a dark ending because he's only there to, like, please Fletcher. You know, Fletcher kind of won in the end. Yeah. Yeah, I see the ending as a dark ending. Totally. Yeah. I think it's, like, a, a, a sad ending, actually. Which is hilarious to how contradictory, like it. It's uh, very satisfying, but yeah. Yes, exactly. It, it's a, yeah, it's satisfying, but like I take a, I take a beat, and then I realize it's sort of sad. Is my interpretation? Don't you kind of see it as him breaking free with Fletcher at that point afterwards? No, he conforms to Fletcher, Fletcher's ideas. I think him breaking fl- free of Fletcher is him hugging his dad and walking out. Yeah, but then he fails. Ex- right. <laughs> exactly. That's why the that's why the core question of the film is 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 really interesting i totally you know how we were doing the question of the show um was it last week already and we were trying to figure out like what's, what's an interesting way we could word the yeah. core conflict of the movie and i totally forgot like they actually do it in the film they actually say it they say i would rather andrew says i would rather die drunk and broke at 35 than live to be 90 with lots of friends and no one remembers who i am that's the, that's the dynamic would you rather be that the question is would you rather be drunk and broke at 35 and die, or live to 90 and have lots of friends. Drunk and broken, full of heroin at 30, or rich and sober at 90. That's the question. Yeah, and but no, no one knows who you are. Yeah, that's the core. The remembering, people remembering you is the core thing. That's that's the core question, you know. It's, I don't think it's just that. I think it's also, like, the transcendence of just, like, the performance itself and, like, you know, being in that moment, like, reaching that level of ability, you know. It's not just like... In terms of the ending. Yeah, but like, I don't think it's just about being like in the history books, you know? Okay. Because like Andrew watches that performance of, I don't know, maybe it's Bird or someone else. Um, and that's like, it seems like like an immortalized performance. But I think he's also just mm-hmm. watching it because it's like, you know, the height of ability that he can reach. And that's what he kind of aspires to as well. Um, yeah. I don't think it's just yeah. about being remembered, but... Yeah, no, that's fair. Well, that's definitely a component of it. We see how hard he works extensively. I mean, those scenes where he's drumming and drumming and 
um, nonstop. I mean, you know, it's countless examples. He literally freaking gets hit by a car and keeps going, you know. So we see the determination. We see how motivated he is to continue. But so in that sense, like him within the context of only the film and the, the events of the film itself, like him delivering that performance is incredible, I guess. And that is satisfying, you know. If that's what you sort of, if that's what you're alluding to, sort of, yeah, that, like that's what he's trying to achieve that performance in the end. Right, right. So for he, yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. So like that's super, that, that's awesome for him to have done, and that's satisfying. But like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I on the other side though, I would argue that like thematically, the ending is that okay, this is fantastic. Look what Andrew's done, but he's doomed to die alone in ten years now. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You can see that. Yeah. Especially with the um, like the suicides of Fletcher's older student. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you presume that Fletcher's older student probably went through something similar. Like he was a great player too. Yeah, Fletch, sure. You know, and he probably had his amazing breakout moment or whatever. And I don't know. Yeah, it was all downhill from there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he, he did get exactly. that guy. Did get like you know what he wanted. He got like first chair at Lincoln Center, or whatever the hell they yeah aspired to. Yeah. But he was obviously also unhappy because he killed himself so i guess mm. that makes sense but I don't, I don't think the film ends with neiman with a semblance of unhappiness no no it doesn't so that's why i feel like his journey is going to be different to casey's you think he's like breaking through like the molds that the film are sort of have presented before yeah like, okay. i recognize it's like the very literal like kind of interpretation of what's presented but like i feel like I mean, I can, you can see it either way. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I sort of, yeah. I guess, yeah, I view it more as like. I, I just think there's a recognition from Neiman. Neiman. How the fuck say it? Neiman? I, I think it's Neiman. Andrew Neiman. Oh, is it? Yeah. Because yeah. I used to say it Neiman as well, but then, yeah, I think I think I said Neiman at the start. Yeah. Oh. Um, I just think there's a recognition to Fletcher by him. That just indicates that he's he's different. He's different. He's built different. He's built different. <laughs> like like genuinely. Like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, I, I, I see that too. I sure. mean, he was a first yeah. year, and he broke into the into into the core band. You know, but isn't that Charlie Parker? Charlie Parker was some old jazz musician. I think uh, uh, you know. But wasn't he built different? Isn't that like the whole thing? Yeah. That he was a beast too, and then he dies at thirty four. Yeah, but I mean, he he died of no, no, probably overdose. You know, but not like, but not. Intentional. Right. I mean, I don't know. He, yeah, 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 very well could be. I don't know yeah. about Charlie Parker. But, you know. Yeah, I know. I, I guess I I view it as like the whole story, like as a timeline, is like a whole big thing where like Andrew ends up dying at thirty four, and that's sort of what the film the film lays that groundwork. Yeah. But then, but it's but that's the interesting part of it of where the film like in its own story like ends at like a very specific moment and you never there's nothing else beyond it you know what i mean so you never see how it ends you never see how it goes it ends on this very on the most on the highest of highs basically for andrew and what he's done and and that's represented visually and and musically as well of how satisfying it is to watch but yeah i i don't know when i like take a second afterwards i'm sort of just like but this story is going to continue and it's not going to continue it's not going to get any higher than this like as you say it only goes downhill like genuinely but like the movie is also like drawing from like real history of like jazz musicians specifically for some reason um are kind of like you know obsessed in this way and like charlie parker is the main example they brought up and he does like achieve everything 
that you said and also mm-hmm. you know he also does get um like depressed later on or whatever so yeah i just think it's both you know it's both but yeah like the film is very selective in the musicians it mentions because like it does mention people that died young yeah. but like you know you look at people like lily armstrong or miles davis or chet baker and they like they lived long lives as like the best of their times you know? hmm. yeah. yeah and like they achieved the absolute maximum you could yeah 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 no that's totally fair I think there's a reason the film focuses well, on Well, yeah, obviously, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also think regardless of the actual potential outcome for Andrew, though, like, like made our position's clear, but I would argue still within the film itself, I'm getting that there's so much negativity that comes from out of his behaviour that you see. You see him already, signs of him turning into the person that's going to die at 30 and and just him turning into a terrible person. You know, and I think you see that within the film itself. Um, I mean, he judges Nicole for not knowing what to do with her life, you know, yeah. not knowing what course to take. There's that whole um, everything with his dad is sort of meant to, I think, represent that side of it, that argument of like, well, this is the this is the normal, this is the other route, this is the to speak, take a job and be content and, you yeah. know. Well, maybe, but I think his dad, like his dad also like wanted to achieve something. He wanted to be a writer when he was younger, right? And he kind of ended up not achieving that. You know, so I think mean? like mediocrity is more what his dad, or like not achieving the, the dream is kind of what his dad represents. And yeah, exactly. And we see I don't know who that dad is, by the way. I don't know who he is, but he's really, oh, really he, well cast. He's been in. He was in aliens. aliens. Remember the guy? Remember the guy who was like kind of sketchy in Aliens and just fucked everything up? No, <laughs> I don't remember anything about Aliens. To be totally honest, um, he was really well cast. I really, I really like him. But yeah, yeah, but I mean, the first the first scene with him, he's like already, like, I think it's the first scene with him where he's just like, basically, um, at the movies, I think is where he first seen. I think it's even before that. Is um, like, what's the best way to describe it? When he's just like, I don't know, like, so he's basically saying it's okay if you fail. That's because he failed. Right, exactly. Like he's saying, you know, it's just life. You know, if it doesn't work out, you can always come back oh, here. Yeah. I think is what he says. Wasn't that the movies? He said like you got other options or whatever. Might have been. And the name yeah. is like what options? Yeah. Options yeah. don't exist. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, but so, from my like, from a philosophical perspective, in my opinion, like again, totally subjective, but I think his dad is representing like the light, in my view. But yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, I mean, is it the light? Like, obviously, he lives, but like, it's yeah, question. it's a fair question. He lives in mediocrity. I mean, that's exactly what the fucking film exactly, like, is. Exactly. That's, what, that's what I think it does so well with all the different characters and, and different scenes that like, it does a really good job at really t- targeting the question well because, I mean, if, if it hasn't been clear, like my answer would be live, with, live to 90 and I don't give a shit if anyone remembers me, you know what I mean? Which is ironic because I'm here doing a video podcast. But anyway, um, but that would, be, that, that would be my answer. So like I'm therefore, because that's my perspective, I'm like looking at all the different things that like, I think support that. I think there's tons of things that support that in the in the movie. You know, like there's that specifically there's that whole scene at the dinner table, um, where we see how like it, it, all of the worst parts of Andrew come out, and they they come out consistently more and more as Fletcher sort of I think encourages it. I would argue, like even down to the simple stuff, you see how Fletcher corrupts all these all these students with like making them swear at each other and lose their shit at each other. Um, I think there it's when I think it's. I think it's when they're at one of the competitions or whatever, and like, um, they lose the folder. Yeah, they lose the fold exactly, and like, 
and the the back and forth between the other drummer and Andrew and um and then when Connolly comes into I think I'm trying to combine a few scenes here but but every, basically every time like Fletcher sort of deliberately puts them against each other and they all lose their shit at each other and they're all like completely rude and irrational to each other and like saying fuck you you hurry the fuck up and all this sort of shit like completely encouraging like the worst characteristics of any human being and how to treat each other you know and like supporting that and it's just like I see that those are the clear examples where I'm just like yeah this ain't the way you know what I mean yeah I just think that like as much as you might interpret it as light I just I don't think it's Neiman's light right no no I yeah yeah okay so like okay. that's why like mm. you know although Fletcher represents the opposite I can't help but feel like like yeah like I, like oh. Objectively, whatever. Yes, you're right, probably. But I, th- I think for Neiman personally, he achieves what he needs to. Yeah, yeah. I can't disagree with that at all. But I, I guess, yeah, he he does everything for him that he needs to do. And I guess, like, and then you know, as uh, as other people, we can judge him and say he's kind of he's kind of a bad person, in my opinion. You know. I think like 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 that that dinner table scene is him standing yeah. up for himself. Like, like I think I, well somehow okay. I'm on Neiman's side like the whole movie. Yeah. You know? Okay. Like I never feel like he's like a dick or anything. I just feel like like in that scene it, it, he probably is a dick, but it just feels like he's um like unappreciated by like kind of you know some jockey by dick, dick bad characters kind of. The thing is, I think like I think I think the most he is a dick is when he breaks up with Nicole. But yeah, like, yeah, that, that, that was like. Okay. But like yeah. he, even then, like I'm like. Like, yeah, he's creating excuses for himself, but, like, you know, I think he is right in that he would treat it poorly. So, I mean, like. Yeah, I think he's right too, but it's, it's, that, that's what's so poor about it is that the fact that he's right in that moment, he, he sees, he's trying to see the future of, of how he behaves currently and he, and he plays that in his mind and he uses it as an excuse to, like, fuck the whole thing up now. Yeah. It's like, like, like yeah, sure, I, I guess he's right, but, like, I don't know. You could also just be a good person and not do that, and and actually try with her. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like he's making an excuse for himself not to be a good person, basically. Even and it doesn't. And sure, he's pr- probably right, but yeah. it's still sort of a poor thing to do. I would argue. You know, I think Nicole's a little bit too, um, like under. I think she needs to be in the movie a bit more for it to feel like an actual choice. You know, because yeah. she yeah. just kind of feels like a girlfriend and not like an actual. Well, character if, if she's like much. in three scenes. I, I feel yeah, like I know, three important yeah. scenes. And yeah. like that's it. And the film is so short as well. Yeah, so it's I feel like, like it's not really developed. That when when he casts her off, you're kinda of like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. You know? Because she's just not that You don't like, really get the, like, you're not the romantically attached. Right, okay, yeah. okay. I feel like La La Land kind of builds on that. Like Giselle was like, okay. The romance thing wasn't there, you know. We didn't there wasn't a sacrifice because they didn't feel like the romance was real. You know, okay. We'll make it real this time. Okay. I see that. I don't really have an issue with that. Uh, yeah, I totally see it though. I didn't really mind just because I feel like Nicole is sort of just more of a, a device in the sense of it. Yeah, just, no, no, no. it yeah, yeah, which can definitely be a criticism, but like I think it works for what it is. I guess it's sure. just that it's it's you know uh, there's other quick shots in the film where like Andrew Andrew in the first ten minutes of the film like multiple times pays attention to guys around him with girlfriends and they, they yeah. focus in on that. So it's just meant to be this idea of like relationships here right well the whole movie's can, through connect with people andrew's perspective so like it makes yeah, sense exactly. that she is what she is yeah yeah because that's all she is to him right yeah is this like i like a deep connection you know just yeah kind of a, kind of a boxer tick i guess 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of like something that he thinks he might want. Yeah, or something he probably does want. Yeah. I just think like even if you like the like the way that the other jazz musicians speak about like like you, you hear about like them like the way they speak about yeah. women when they come into the class. I don't know. So, yeah. yeah. And is this kind of That's like a abhorrent kind of it is yeah. relationship that they have with it's like it's it's not unique to Neiman. I think it is. Perhaps it's a more commentary on jazz musicians as a whole. You know. Maybe. Maybe. Musicians are just trash, you know. Just terrible people. (laughs) They just suck. I don't know, for musicians, they were kind of, I mean, not good people, but, like, they were kind of had a cool vibe, you know what I mean? They weren't nerds. I feel like I picture musicians and they're just a bunch of dorks, you know. Really? Oh, yeah. I don't think of that. I think. I'm joking. Anyway, (laughs) sorry. Um, I actually do want to talk about the dinner table scene a little bit because I I have a different read on it. I totally, maybe that's even, maybe... your perspective on it is what Damien's intending um, because I, I see it. Like I, I can see both sides. I, I, I do understand that it's frustrating for Andrew because they don't understand exactly what he's achieving and, and what he's doing. And they don't, they don't have enough, they don't have his perspective and it's, it's uh, they treat him unfairly. I think it, it, it feels like they're trying to, they're trying to bury him in mediocrity is, is what it feels like. And I feel like Neiman's kind of breaking through, through it is, is what okay. that feels like. Oh, yeah. oh, okay, okay. See, that sounds very righteous, and that sounds that sounds cool. Like, I, I'd cheer oh, anyone. Yeah. I'd cheer anyone on. Teacher here. of the year, that kind of thing. What? Like, like the line, "Teacher of the year." Mm. It's like it's an achievement, but it's kind of a mediocre, like you know, everyday achievement, I guess. Well, I mean, that's definitely not. Isn't that, that's not mediocre, but it's the fact that he did end up being a teacher, and the fact that right, yeah, his cousins right. are playing in mm. Div Three fucking right, football yeah. and, and whatever else, you know, and they're trying to celebrate him, celebrate them, but then they're saying. They're trying to dismiss Andrew as being mediocre. I like that. I like that. I like the way you put that because it does make me understand a bit more of like, oh, that's, I feel like I would root for that guy who's like trying to break free of that. But there's also the other perspective of like, again, I don't think they treat him totally fairly in the scene, but these people also have lives and they've and they've done cool things and they want to chat to each other about it and they're proud of each other, you know, and that's cool. And Andrew sort of and Andrew sort of says you're all pieces of shit and you, who cares? Like the line that stings is the fact that his his dad says has the Lincoln Turner called. It's the fact that his yeah, dad his is trying dad to keep him there as well. His dad doesn't want him to succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's kind well, of well. I think I misinterpreted yeah. what you said. Huh? I think I misinterpreted what you said okay. because I think, like you said, they're trying to bury him in mediocrity. I think. I think like they're, they're them celebrating those successes like kind of normal people do, is um, kind of not not dismiss him, but like I think like bring him in to that kind of level of achievement, you know, like not what yeah, he's actually yeah, going for. Yeah. yeah. I just don't think Teacher of the Year is a mediocre achievement. That's about, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, you reckon? I mean, yeah. d- depends no, on if like, it's like a state level. But or for him, it's mediocre. Is what I'm saying, you know. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. You're. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I get. Yeah. In 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 the, the scheme of the world, it's mediocre. Yes. Where Andrew's trying to be everyone. He wants to be known by everyone. Could have been a Pulitzer Prize winning author instead of a Teacher of the Year. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Is is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like he's trying to say, oh, you can be like, uh, if 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 like his dad is aside, he's saying, oh, you can have like a good life and be Teacher of the Year, you know, and be have still have like some achievement hmm. and not be crazy. Yeah. 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 yeah, I guess. But I, yeah, I, I, you guys won me over a little bit, but I, I must say, like, my initial takeaway was still that, like, Andrew, I, I, I do feel for him and understand that, but he's also being pretentious and an asshole by shutting these people down as well. You know, like, he can be the better person and, like, understand what's happening and be aware of it, but be, be better by sort of 
maybe leaving the room or like, you know, taking a step back. And instead he retaliates and like basically says, well, you think I'm, you know, you think I'm, I don't know, worthless or whatever. You're worthless. Yeah, sure. But people aren't good. No, exactly. Yeah. But I just think he's, he's in that sense, he behaved in the wrong way, but I guess I understand more why, you know, um, it's a good scene though. I liked, yeah. (laughs) Fair bit analyzing that scene apparently. This is another aspect of when the dynamic for him as a character sort of shifts again is of course, after the car crash incident and that whole competition thing, when he decides to, he quits and when he gives up and literally throws everything in the trash, the quick scene where he works in a burger joint. Um, that was an interesting thing because that's when you're, you're seeing that that's, that's my winning Andrew, right? Of like my philosophy of like, guys, Andrew's working in a burger place and he's in a small apartment, uh, which I, I love the sec- decoration of that apartment because it was like very deliberately super bare. And I thought that was, that was on purpose. But um, in my mind, that's like Andrew succeeding, you know, which is so not Andrew succeeding at all. Yeah. But like that is like ideal, like life, for, in, in my opinion, you know, especially in, in terms of what the film's trying to debate against. So it was really interesting. To, I sort of, I think, really noticed that this time of like, he gets there. He does it. He gets to the other side. He knows what it's like. It's not even like this allure, like, oh, I could have a quieter life. Like, he does it. He quits. He's out, you know? But it's clearly not for him, is it? You're, you're like, way more... Oh. You're, like, way more against ne- Neiman's side than I thought. Yeah. Oh, really? I think the film's... I think Chazelle is, like, way more pro Neiman. Pro Neiman's... Probably is. Well, yeah. I mean, anyway, Especially with, like, La La Land and... Like, oh, okay. I think it, like, backs it up a little bit. I mean, anyone who's as accomplished filmmaker at his age as he is, I, I think he probably definitely would be more on Neiman's side than I am. Because we wouldn't have Damien Chazelle if he was working at the burger joint, would we? You know? So that makes sense. That was something I was sort of looking at this time, especially when his dad <laughs> especially relates to me because the idea of his, going to the cinema with his dad and his dad coming over and, like, watching uh, watching TV with him in, like, the, the small apartment and stuff, I went to the, I went to, went to the movies with my dad literally what five days ago, you know. So like we watched there, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like that that idea of the film, but then and we, and we see that again in the in the sort of bare apartment. And Andrew even has like a little line to Nicole, I think, where he's like, "I go to see movies with my dad," like as if it's like that's sort of a dumb thing. To, that's sort of a stupid thing to do, isn't it? You know, like he sort of I, he, he seemed um, insecure about it. In no, that I, I, no, but that was in relation to. The, I think that was in relation to a different feeling. Okay. It wasn't because, like, that's when she was talking about being homesick, and you know, she like doesn't like how people fake that they're not. So I think that's just him saying he's still got a connection to where he's from. More isn't isn't that what is oh, okay. that like that that okay. thing about is? Like, so it's actually more of a positive than I'll sort of. I, I think that's like a positive that he still has that relationship with his with his family. Yeah. Okay. Now that makes sense. Oh, that makes me feel better. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't worry, I'll lose it. Yeah. <laughs> he, as I said, he's out. He has so many chances to walk away. Um, he literally, Fletcher breaks him for like the last time. Well, you breaks him for that long, but then the last time is when they, they get on that last stage and he fucks with them like, I know it was you and you've got no pages. And at that moment, like total bomb. Um, I always think it's really awkward when, when, when yeah. Do we, do we, do we have a question for next week? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Exposing uh, the inner workings here. Um, we'll figure it out. 
Um, I'll, I'll, I'll think of something. I was thinking it's really funny when that when that black guy leans over and he's like, "What the fuck are you doing, man?" <laughs> when he's trying to just drum, it's really awkward. Um, and then yeah, Andrew walks off, hugs his dad, and it's like the end. If I were him, I'd leave. But then you know for sure he comes back. Of course he has to come back at this point, and that's when he fulfills his his whole arc, I guess. Um, I swear you can see cool. see the girlfriend's face. In the crowd? In the crowd, like a little bit. Like I always look at that scene, I'm like in, in like the right corner or some shit. Really? I think I, I, did, I didn't even think to look. I just thought she wouldn't come. I thought that's the whole point of it is that like when she's like, um, oh, yeah, I'll ask my boyfriend. And like that was him. That was her telling him no. Yeah. And then that was code. And then they were speaking code from that point. It was like, okay, yeah, I'll check the time. Okay, okay. Like they knew. Right, yeah. That's how I took it. But did you, you think, think you actually I mean, dialogue-wise, I would take it the same way. But like – from the first time I watch it, I always notice like that face that's in like the right corner really? of the screen. And it looks like what's her name, Melissa? Melissa Benoist. Benoit. Benoit. Is it Benoist? Well, it's, it's Benoist, but like she's, she's French. Oh, Benoist. Yeah. Ben- yeah. Benoist. I mean, she's not French, but like the, the last name is French. Sorry, so it'd be pronounced Benoit. Benoit. No, because she mentioned on a talk show once, and like since she mentioned that, I'm like, oh, Benoit. Like it just sounds so much better. Yeah, it really does. Okay, okay, cool, cool. Um, anyway, that whole. I was just trying to get us that final final uh, drumming sequence, I guess. Because how long is it actually? It, it, it's it feels long, but it's like it's amazing. I think is it like ten minutes long, five minutes long. I don't know. Probably like five, seven minutes. Yeah, maybe seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really good. Do you have any main takeaways from this? I've got. So Nicole is in the audience. Hey, no, is she really? Yeah. Shut up! Wow, that's crazy. I don't know what, what does that say then. Well. I mean, I, I, so in the script, she's revealed to be with her in the audience with her boyfriend. This is just from Cora, so this is someone's opinion, but it says, you know, it could lend to, you know, um, could this add to the pain of failure that Andrew feels in that moment going with your thing about failure? Or. Okay. Okay. I don't know. Hold on, let me look at this article and see what this one says. <laughs> Never before have we had Cora and articles contributing to this show's thought uh, provoking discussions. Um, do, Fitzy, do you have any. Anything at all you want to grab from this whole final sequence? So I've got a fair bit, but I just want to see where where you go. Oh, the way Fletcher talks to him is so funny during that scene. The, the when he says, "Um, when Andrew's just going off, he's like, what are you doing, man?' You know, like really nicely. <laughs> yeah. It's like it so like, fucking funny. He was saying, "What are you doing, man?" Like he has to because he's the conductor and he obligatory like he's going off script, so like he has to go over there and do something about it. But he's like thrilled that he's doing it. I think that line is is the the ultimate indication that he's like with him, that Fletcher's like with him now. He'll work. Yes, yes, yeah. You see, this article agrees with you that at the end, Andrew's completely broken by Fletcher and that it's a really depressing ending. See, see, Cora, is that Cora? No, this is from The Atlantic. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. But that, 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 the ending's like, that's obviously totally subjective, but I'm glad other people agree with me because I'm right. Um, that, is, that is really funny, sort of speaking to that. I love like the whole last two minutes of it, especially is I sort of view it as like a this big team up moment between the two of them. It's like yeah. they're finally on the same page. They understand each other perfectly. Andrew's Andrew was already like I think intellectually aware of what Fletcher was doing the whole time, but like he connects with it because he realizes it's true and it worked. And he's like, this guy, he got me here, you know. And and they're like that that the the cuts between them. Um, when they're like right next to each other, and and when Fletcher is like doing the thing where he's like, yeah, the, the, I, I don't know, you know, if you see in the film, when he starts going like, rise and, and he conducts like the the rhythm of the the drum in those last few moments. It was like that was satisfying. 
Yeah, of course, yeah. As much as I could sit here and argue that these people are terrible, like it was super satisfying for them to finally come together after this whole movie of them being of it being toxic basically between them and everything. It was like, oh shit. Fletcher was sort of right in in his own way and, and it ended up playing out really well. The other thing, of course. Was it you, Jan? I think it was you last week that brought up the whip pans. Who brought up the whip pans? I think I did did I, I, think, I, I think I mentioned it, yeah. Um, there's a few whip pans in this it's movie. Fucking awesome, man. It's, like, it's fucking awesome. The, the, the best whip pan in this movie by far is the one in this final scene. It's a bit before. Yeah, yeah, when he keeps going back. Oh, my God. And, 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 it, and it keeps going and he's like, and it whips, and it whips, and it whips like 10 times. I swear to God, it's a lot. Have you seen like, uh, I've seen the back to, I've seen the behind the scenes of, um, of, of in La La Land yeah. when Ryan, Ren- Ryan Gosling is on, is on the piano in like the club. Because I haven't seen the movie, but like you know, run, runs on the piano. Oh yeah, and it and goes it, back to Emma Stone. Yeah, dancing. and like and like in the actual behind the scenes, like it's, it sh- it shows that Damien Chazelle just constantly tapping him on, on, his, on his on his on his DP's um, shoulder, and Wait, every and every time he taps, he, he, the guy just has to go. Like that's awesome. That's awesome. I actually don't know how to do. It. I don't, wouldn't know how to do a whip pan like that. To be honest, like I know it's it's like it's super simple motion, obviously, but in terms of like nailing like. The speed oh, of it, yeah. nailing, landing yeah, directly right, right on, on both sides every time. Like, I feel like it'd be like, oh, fuck, he's, he's half out of frame because <laughs> I came like, back this time. That's why like cameramen exist, I guess, to perfect yeah. it. That's totally true. Yeah, not everyone can be a camera operator, apparently. Much to my chagrin, I'd love to be one. But in terms of the, the visuals of this scene as well, like the, the variety of all the quick shots, you know, that, that's the thing about it I think that's interesting is that there's lots of coverage, but... Like there's wide shots of the stage from both sides. There's overhead shots of the drums. There's quick shots of like the musical pages and the notes. Like he sort of shoves in the air. He sort of like shoves every possible type of shot into these yeah. sequences, but it all flows perfectly. Like it's never jarring. I'm like, why do you choose that angle? You know, he like uses, somehow uses every possible angle, but it all totally works. I just, I, I love just... how every time that he's on the drums, it is so tight on him and yeah. it's just, you, you feel the sweat, you know? Oh, 100%. And, and like, not only when it's like bouncing off the drum or whatever, and you know, there's blood and, and you be like, just because of the tightness on it, and you just see yeah. as he as he increasingly, like, you know, clenches up, like, it just feels so incredibly tense. 100%. 100%. I know, like, the whole, like, the blood, sweat, and tears thing is fairly obvious, you know. <laughs> so it's not super subtle. Um, it's, I don't know. I think, yeah, I totally agree. I think it's always perfectly done, never too much. Um, it's like the most. Every time, I think there's, there's like multiple times where you, there's really cool shots of like just blood left on the drum kit. And it's just every time it's like, man, it looks so good. Like it's so, I feel it, you know. And, and like you say, like the most authentic sweat I've seen on a human on screen probably. Like I just, I feel how the, the, the band-aids that he has to put on, like the pain, I can't imagine how challenging it was to have to play like that. Not that I think Miles Teller was actually like I'm sure he was. I know he drums. I know he drums hard, but like I, I don't think Miles Teller was pushing himself like Andrew was in the film. I think it's good acting, of course. But um, one of my favorite scenes is actually when the three drummers have to play musical chairs and they go back and forth. I know it's like a, it's just sort of you could throw it in there. It's just like another like intense Fletcher scene, I guess. But I don't know. I think I, I think it's a standout to me. There's like all types of quick pans uh, to to the blood and all that sort of stuff. You get Miles Teller's goddamn saliva flying in a few shots, and I'm just like, dude, this is it's like it's it's gritty. It's 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 really cool. So that was sort of where that was a standout for me. Um, but in that particular scene, lies my favorite. Should we? Is this is this appropriate? Can we? Should we do this? Choose our best Fletcher insult. 
Oh. Is, is this? <laughs> Depends on which one you're going to say. I guess. I guess. I'll, our best appropriate to say Fletcher insult. Mine, it's not even that crazy, but I thought it was really funny. And like quite a witty thing to say it was like when when Connolly was had started leaning down to adjust his stool, and he was like, "So you're adjusting, so now you've got it right. <laughs> so now you're going to nail it." I just thought it was hilarious. That was probably my favorite. Um, do you care to choose, Jaden, at all? Well, I, I think my one is is because of the scene previous where he's asking about his mum, and and you know he tells him the mum walked out, and then he's oh. playing really poorly, and he, and he's like, "No wonder my mummy left on you or whatever." Like walked yeah. out. That's what you're saying of like yeah. just immediately turning anything he tells him against him. Yeah. That was brutal. But like, I, I, I think my favorite like insult is from Miles Teller hurled at Connolly, or wait, like you know when, when he's like you know Johnny Utah. yeah <laughs> turn my pages yeah like fuck off Johnny you turn my pages bitch or whatever like, <laughs> and then he uses Fletcher thought it was a piss so he used it <laughs> he was like yeah Johnny Utah <laughs> it's like dude oh my god um any any highlights at all. Not the R word one. Not the R word one. I will, I will fuck you like a pig. <laughs> that. That's good. That was really um, good. Have you, have you seen Legend of Korra? No? But you have, Zach. I've seen two seasons. Uh, 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 there's a really funny edit where people replace Tenzin's dialogue with the dialogue from this film. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I'll see if I can find I'll show you. Is it, but is it from the first season? Yeah, I think it's from the first season. Okay, no, that's cool. That's cool. Shout out to J.K. Simmons, by the way. I mean, we've been shouting him out the whole time. He's great. He's amazing. I feel like, have you seen First Man? No. Oh, yeah. I always forget about First Man, dude. Do you? I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's just three films. Yeah. I haven't seen it. <laughs> um, I feel I feel like you're very familiar. Obviously, like, we all know. Oh, well, we don't actually, but Babylon's awesome. We, we believe in Babylon here. Um, but... I feel like you're very familiar with Arlene because you've alluded to La La Land a few times and I can't remember anything about it, to be honest. But So I feel like you're familiar with his filmography in a way I'm not, even though I've seen all of his films. Yeah, I've seen all of his films, I guess. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember. I can't remember First Man either, so it's fine. Um, like, where does this sit for you in Giselle's ranking? Because I, I feel like it would still be last. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, it's last because um, the other films are so great. Um, but... Like La La Land, I do think does expand on his ethos or Whiplash's ethos. Don't you, wouldn't all of his films expand on it? Because all of yeah, his yeah, films are about sure. like this dedicated artist, or like in First Man's case, still about a dedicated person in their field of work. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of overlap. That's true. He's kind of like yeah, constantly expanding on that. That's interesting about First Man actually, because he didn't write it. So, um, I guess he just he cho- like he attached himself to it because he sort of spoke to him. I guess I get why. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Jaden? Where does this sit ranking wise? Well, I've only seen Babylon and Whiplash, but Babylon's better to me. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you haven't seen Lala. Okay. Babylon's, Babylon's better to you, though. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Babylon was fucking amazing. It really was. And a huge part of that amazing transition set up there was Justin Hurwitz's score in both films. Similarities, for sure. I can, I can, you can feel the same sort of energy, I would argue, in the sort of, I don't know. I'm not an expert here, but like, I don't know, jazziness or whatever. I would use I'd use the word jazziness in both, I guess. Um, and of course, uh, Babylon loves doing the whip pan thing with the trumpets and shit too. So that was that was sort of a similarity. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, it was all good. like yeah. this is, I guess, he, like he never made a, a film as tense as it's like, this is just thrives off, you know, pure tension in a way the La Land and Babylon don't, I guess. There's, the stories are more expansive and they're more, yeah. um, you know, I think they're more like emotion driven. Yeah, that's probably true. 
yeah. I don't know if you can make a movie this tense in three hours, but well, he's trying to, but. Well, I mean, Babylon definitely reaches like a, a level of tenseness and, and uncomfortableness. In moments, for sure. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Not, but not like at a, at a sustained period like this film does. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Babylon does, in, in like, I mean, it's in the best way possible, it does sort of feel like, like five movies in one. In some ways, like, I, would like, argue. Like, I think I think I said when, when we were walking out. I think I said to you like, like that that scene in Babylon where they're going around is like this is some of the scariest things I've seen. Right. And, and I watch. I've seen like fucking I don't know like over four hundred horror movies, <laughs> and like and like and like when they go underground in that bunker thing, into yeah, that like really dodgy club is fucking terrifying shit. Yeah. And yeah. like just the most tensely oh, like, driven things. That's what Babylon is supposed to be. It's supposed to be like an amalgamation of like all these genres, like calling back to like you know just hollywood in general you know yeah. like all the film yeah. yeah 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 that's what i mean in like an experiential way not like very thematically consistent but i just mean you know i feel like the different you can pinpoint the different acts in babylon and you know, they could almost be their own little short films as an experiment you know as a, i mean there there are literally films within babylon i mean oh, there's yeah, eclipse yeah, 100%, 100%. fucking avatar which is in babylon <laughs> spoilers but yeah that was that was, that was unbelievable stuff you know i, I watched a, a interview with giselle and that that whole final montage came together at the last second it wasn't his intention originally yeah he the ending was just going to be like they do the thing around the cinema babylon spoilers sorry not related but um sort of related to Damien giselle but um like they do the thing around the cinema and they come in on what's his name manny is that his name? yeah they come in on him and that's the ending I and think like, all, like him watching Singing in the Rain and yeah, so it's like it's meant to have the same like it's the same like idea I think of like he lives forever in cinema and he understands that but that's crazy because like that montage is just like one of the best things ever yeah for me, yeah oh I, I I like I understand why people don't like it but I think like I think that people not like the montage yeah sure. people 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 who, that's like, crazy people think it's corny as shit or like I've seen people like slander it so much it's crazy. um but I think that's fucking peak. Oh, oh, it's it's, it's it, oh, it's exactly. unbelievable to watch. For sure, yeah, it was amazing. I mean, all of Giselle's endings that I've seen so far are pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah all two of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh no, dude, the cut to credits in this movie. Oh yeah, and the jazz just keeps going. on. The, the the exactly that that's the thing about it. You know what? I love talking about like cut to credits moments and like how satisfying they feel. That's a part of it, actually. The fact that I mean, of course, like in the film, like, the moment of quiet, the big crescendo. And the smash cut, Damon Chazelle's name turns up. But it is the fact that the jazz keeps going, it, like it keeps flowing. You know, it's like it's one of those things where like the credits hit and the music you're still vibing while the while the credits are rolling, and you sort of walk out of the cinema and you're like, "This movie's still going," and I'm like, you know, I'm like, it feels like it never stops. It's like it's freaking awesome. That's what's really cool about it, I guess. But that's a contributing factor. Yeah, I loved it. The opening scene's really good too. I like the before there's anything on the screen, you get the drums building and stuff. Um. But do you think when right at the start when Fletcher walks in on Andrew, that like he he hears something in him immediately? Well, yeah, I don't I, I don't know why he picked him over any other drummer, you know, like unless oh, yeah. unless he did hear something, right? Because like he he was just practicing. practicing I think he could have whatever. Because like when he was talking about um, what was the guy like his old student Carl Carl Tanner? No. No, like his old shooter. Oh, Casey. Casey. Oh, yeah. When he's talking about Casey, he said like, um, I found him and he was just like, uh, you know, he was a boy uh, like practicing his scales, barely fitting in, but he saw a drive in him. He said something like that. And it yeah, feels like he's just, he's talking... to quit or whatever. But he, he blew yeah, yeah. Him. yeah. But it feels like he's just talking about Andrew in that way. Like it does feel very similar. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that because the scene's funny and he, you know, he walks in and like pretends he doesn't give a shit. 
pretends he's heard nothing. But I, I feel like that's the inciting. I mean, it's the first scene of the movie, obviously, but it's like the, I feel like it's the inciting incident. Like in that moment, he recognizes something in Andrew right there. Well, it's, it's possible, like from that moment on, that he is like extremely consciously targeting him. Like it is possible. Yeah, exactly. It is possible that he even like took the folder, you know, just so he could. He, he did take the folder, yeah. I think. Right? Where I swear I've seen it confirmed somewhere. I thought it confirmed it in the movie. Does it not? Well, well no, sorry. So hmm. I thought prior to this rewatch, I thought the movie confirmed that it did. But this time it didn't. I didn't see that. Yeah, that's true. So I'm trying to think where where have I seen it? Where it's like it, it, he definitely took the folder. Yeah, because I forgot when he when the folder disappeared. I went, oh, I know it's I know it's uh, Fletcher. Yeah, but then yeah, you're right. The movie never actually confirms it. Yeah, yeah but I yeah no, I have heard I, I but I know it's a fact though. Like I swear to God, it's a fact. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's what I'm like as well. Like, um, I think so. I think yeah, I don't know where I would have heard. Unless it's in the script somewhere. And, uh, Maybe. I didn't see it in the trivia either. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, no, I think I think that's what it is. I think Fletcher, one hundred percent from that second, is targeting him all the way. And, that's it. and then I guess for you know, then from Fletcher's perspective, it makes the ending satisfying for him even more so. You know, like do you think he's target, Do you think he targets all the students like that, or do you think the other students are just devices to to help that one that he has like found is special? Well, he does say to Neiman that so and so was just a device to get you. Well, yeah, currently was. Yeah, currently yeah. was just yeah. a way to get to you. Or that was hilarious, by the way. Like, I, was, I was watching it with Jake and, you know, he hadn't seen it, no idea. And it was so funny. Like, every time, like, he'd bring in Connolly and, like, say, oh, Connolly's going to be our main person today or, like, what? And, and like, like, I, like, the first time you can probably just take this faith of, like, oh, maybe he thinks Connolly's really good. But on rewatches, it's just so funny how much he's so fucking with Andrew. It's yeah. hilarious. Um, so, yeah, that was good. What about – this is the biggest question I'm going to ask in this entire review. And me saying that, you, you know it's going to be really dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Raisins in the popcorn, yay or nay? Well, they're raisinets, so are they raisins? Is that what? Because I don't know what raisinets are. I just thought, I, I just thought they were like some American chocolate thing. That's what I assumed. Oh, you th- you thought they actually were chocolate? I, don't know. I can. T- yeah, please do. Oh, could they be raisins in chocolate? Because that's a thing, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Raisins sure. Yeah. Chocolate covered raisins. Oh, okay. So okay, chocolate colored, covered raisins in the popcorn, yay or nay? Nay, like I don't like it. Okay, yeah. It's like I like when things are put in popcorn, you know, but not like, like what? I don't know, like Skittles or something, you know. Skittles is weirder than chocolate. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I just I like the visual, you know, of things in popcorn. The idea. It looks of... wrong to me. I've never never put anything in popcorn in my life. No. I don't usually, but. Okay. I like the idea of it. I don't know. But, you, but you're against this specific thing. Yeah, and what even are raisins? They're like glorified. What even are raisins? Dried raisins. <laughs> right? Yeah, but uh, chocolate covered as well. So there's, yeah. that, there's that. I feel like it'd, pr- it'd provide a nice contrast of taste, you know? I, I... Do you like, but do you grab a handful and you have like multiple? and Like you have it all mixed together when you throw it in your mouth? Is that what you do? Who knows? But I feel like I'm most like Andrew because he likes putting them in there, but he eats around them, you know? Is that correct? Remember that conversation? Yeah, he, he says he eats around them, yeah. Yeah, but is that because he likes putting them in there or does he eat around them because he tolerates his dad doing it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think he puts them in there just to happily, like, look at them. I don't know, man. Damien Chazelle, man, he's asking all the big questions cinematically, man. That's unbelievable. No, but that I think the reason thing is, like, <laughs> intentional... Like to point out the differences between them or whatever. 
like he like the dad says i don't understand you you know that's the main point of that scene oh yeah i didn't think of it that way yeah i was too focused on um the second i saw them go in the popcorn i was like zero fake question <laughs> topic of the show all right we got uh, what, what trivia i got here anything good uh this film was shot in 19 days which i read i was like oh yeah I mean, I've never made a movie, but it sounds pretty decent, you know, especially for a film this good. I was like, okay. But then, like, a few steps below it, this was better. The film was shot, edited, and submitted into Sundance in 10 weeks. Damn. That's more impressive. In when mind. you think of, like, a movie timeline, like, let's say, like, an average, I don't know, 90, 100-minute movie, how long would you expect it to be taken to, 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 to go from pre-production to production? Assume the script is done, and then you have to do everything else. Yep. How long do you think? From pre-production to release. Yep. Like, like... What do, you, what do you think? The script is done. Only a year and a half. I would say a year and a half to two years. Yeah. 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 But then you, you hear about cases like this or just like other shit that like just gets pumped out so quickly. And I'm just like, how do you how, how do you manage that, you know? I imagine amazing producers worked on this movie, I imagine, because, I mean, obviously, like, just as we already mentioned, like, oh, was that in the – I can't remember if I said that in this recording or the one that failed. But um, Giselle with the – made wanted to make this film from the start. You know, and wanted to get so oh, the, the, the short film, go. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So same they had the funding they could go. Yeah. So, but in terms of like the actual ninety day shooting, I imagine like it was just because obviously there's no like effects or anything. So it's, it's, it's a like, pretty limited set uh, kind of like shooting yeah. places as well. Yeah, and I assume they shot around New York and stuff. I guess so. Like, I guess I, I would imagine it just has to be like top notch producers, really efficient organizing and getting all their scheduling right and making sure they can shoot everywhere on time and all that sort of shit. I imagine. I don't know, and. Hell of a good editor, I guess. I mean, the editing was great by by itself, but I just mean the the fact that the editing was so good, it was done in that amount of time. It's pretty good. So you have to be like this weekend dealing with two camera angles, <laughs> three tracks. Dude, this editing of this episode is going to rival whoever edited this movie. I'm sorry, I don't know your name. I should though. It was really good. Thank you. When I, and Miles Teller was a drummer. I feel like everyone knows that. I don't know. He was drumming since he was 15 years old, so perfect for the part, I guess. Um. Damien Chazelle got into a car accident halfway through filming this movie. There you go. Was it already in the script? Or did he just put that in after? I assume it was already in the script. I feel like you can't throw that in the script after. I mean, he threw the montage in at the end of Babylon. That's true. That's true. No, that's fair. This guy also did Chazelle's other films and No Time to Die. What's his name? Tim Cross. Tom Cross. He did Babylon, La Land, First Man, No Time to Die. Babylon's got amazing editing too. Shout out to Tom Cross. I won't forget your name now. Probably will. Yeah, it's gone in two days. <laughs> <laughs> I probably will. All right. Andy wrote in a review for Whiplash. Review. Review. Yeah, I must admit, he said Whiplash review. I copied it into the document. Great. Got it. Then I read it and I was like, is it a review? Oh, it's more of a comment. I don't know. Andy wrote in about Whiplash and he said, logically, in the Instagram poll, I had to vote for Liam's Apocalypse Now as it was a film I've never seen before. Um, but I really didn't mind Whiplash taking the win either. Unfortunately, a Zach win. You just continue your dominance. I think that's why it's unfortunate. Oh, okay. It wasn't talking shit about me personally? I don't think so. I don't know which one to look at. Which which angle will I choose? Well, this one's. I feel like this one's more intimate on your face, so probably that one. So when I'm reading, I should choose this one? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Where was I? Oh, yeah. He didn't mind Whiplash taking the win because I've seen it a few times already. Um, now, as for the review, I remembered coincidentally re-watching this film on the same day as Zach in January 2021, around the time when I got Letterboxd thanks to Jaden. And now Jaden's the one saying it's also his least favourite social media platform. Great job. 
Um, I remember that, Andy, by the way. I remember that. That was crazy. We literally logged it, rewatched on the same day. Completely coincidental. And we both gave it five stars. Amazing. Um, Whoa, me, spoilers. Oh, no, I could change my mind. I don't know. <laughs> Will I? Um, to me, that's what makes Zach's win in this poll feel special, specifically because of that moment. I agree. Uh, I used to have a review of Whiplash, but I removed it on Letterboxd after implementing a new rule for my account. I can't remember what it was now. Also, I might be sneaking around the house when you guys are recording in person because I will be stealing Zach's Heat 2 novel. Um, first of all, Andy, you've probably already noticed we're not in the house. but um... No, you can green screen the house. Oh, yeah. Take, a photo, take, a, take a photo of your living room and just chuck it Dogs. on there. Do I use it, should I use the same background for my Obi-Wan reviews? It's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dogs. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, you're not taking my Kindle, mate. It's my most prized possession these days. Oh, did you hit to an, I forget that you, you have a Kindle, man. It's so good, man. No, dude, if anyone takes my Kindle, I'll be really upset. I'm not going to lie. Um, but yeah, anyway, Andy, Andy gave it a 10 out of 10, but he didn't rewatch it. So not really a review, but thank you, Andy. Appreciate you writing in as always. Any, anything else? Go for it. Do you like jazz? To quote Barry B. Benson. I don't really listen to much jazz. The B-movie guy. Oh, Jerry Seinfeld? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. You like jazz in this film? Yeah, yeah, it's really good in this film. Caravan and Whiplash. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I oh, know. It's like for me, it's like it's enjoyable. It's like background. It's like really chill, awesome background music. You know. But you know, like how people talk shit about jazz about, but like you know, if you can't play music, you know, don't play it and say you know, like because you know how jazz sounds a bit weird sometimes and. It sounds wrong to, and people are like, you know, you're just playing the music wrong. How can you enjoy this? You, 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 you know, I've got no idea what you're talking about. No? No. You mean like improvised? Yeah, like, like part of the improvisation, but like part of also just like the kind of shifting and kind of like. Mm. Well, like the jazz that you listen to isn't like chill jazz, like chill modern jazz, that kind of thing. I guess. Like, I don't really, well, I don't really listen to it to be clear, but I'm just like. Well, do you listen to like the the, the Starbucks jazz albums as uh, Fletcher puts yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the background stuff. Yeah, but like, I couldn't. I don't know if I could actually distinguish a, any one jazz song that I've ever listened to in my life. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Like my favorite things, Whiplash Caravan. My favorite things. That's about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, it's good. What do you like it? Yeah, I like jazz. Yeah. Jizz. Jizz. My jizz playlist. <laughs> you you know it's called Jizz in Star Wars, right? I do, yeah, but I have a playlist called Jizz because it's jazz with a little twist. Right, but, got it. In in the Star Wars universe, space jazz, jazz. Called, space jazz is it's called Jizz, and they say, "Oh, G- you listen to Jizz." Right. <laughs> was that a Disney? No, no, Disney. I don't think so. I don't think it was a Disney thing. Yeah, <laughs> George Lucas made it. Was he done? Okay, yeah, that was a good. Thank you for that. That's a good question. And do you have a final contribution to the episode or to this review? I should say. I want to ask when when is the shot where they focus on his ears? Like, there's a, there's, a, there's like a touch yeah, of his is. ears. I think is it when is it after the car accident and he drops the drumstick? Is it? No, it's like when he's playing. It's when he's, it's um. Okay. I don't know, but you know, there, there, there's the there's some. I'll just say in general, there's some. Efficient filmmaking, like the establishing the, the establishing shots of New York, for example, are very nice. And there's like, as you said, with the finale, there's like he uses every kind of element. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hundred percent. Did they shoot this in Toronto? Uh, I assume because it's New York. 
I don't know. You know how like every New York, yeah. every every film set in New York is shot in Toronto. Well, I mean, I guess there was nothing specifically identifiable about it to be New York. I mean, I, I always forget there's New York. I always think it's like Chicago or something. But in then I remember. But yeah, but then right. this time I recognize it. Yeah, yeah. New York yeah. Um, Conservatorium or whatever it's called. Yeah. Is it a real place I should visit? Schaefer. Oh, yeah, you're heading over there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll be ditching the show in um, six weeks. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, you didn't. Know, you, you haven't heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. All right. Let's get to our final verdicts for Whiplash. I'll just give it a ten. By the way. Done. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Um. Eight <laughs> out of ten. That's why. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Eight for me as well. Very very good. All right. Um, we can get into news chat. As Jaden already pointed out with the question, we didn't do. We, we totally forgot to do all our regular uh, pre-show organising. So uh, uh, <laughs> I've got four trailers here, uh, and we can see what the hell happens. Uh, has anyone seen the Marvels trailer? Yeah, I saw it too. Okay, good. What do you think? Uh, yeah, it was alright. Like, I, like I, I had no intention of watching it, but it was on Twitter. It was like, like it was, as I was going through Twitter, it came up. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll sit through this two minutes. Um, yeah, it looks it looks alright. I mean. Um, I don't have any complaints. I don't have any praises either. I feel like I'm kind of lost, to be Ooh. honest. I probably need to rewatch Captain Marvel. I need to watch Miss Marvel to kind of understand what's happening here. I think, but um, do you? Well, what's this thing with like they're swapping every time they use their powers and shit? Yeah, I didn't understand that at all. But like, I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But you, the fact you watched Miss Marvel. Well, I've, I've I've seen only one episode of Miss Marvel. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Right, right. right. Yeah, oh, I, okay. I need to finish it off. Yeah. I understand you. Yeah, yeah. You know, I thought it was good. I thought it was cool. Will I see this movie in the theater? Probably not. Speaky will make us go. I haven't gone. I haven't gone to a Marvel movie since. What Thor? Yeah, I saw Thor. Yeah, yeah, really good movie, by the way. <laughs> uh, we also got the Penguin. Oh yeah, uh, I did, but there's like nothing to say about. It. I mean, it was. Um... I, just, I don't know. I think it was a little bit. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Right? It was Colin Farrell. Like it looked more like Colin Farrell. Like, I recognized Colin Farrell more in this than I did in the movie. Really? Yeah, I feel like because there was more. Are you sure there, there was less like, like. Okay, yeah, yeah. There was less um. Like soft lighting and shit, you know. It, it, it was more just you saw more his face more directly, I guess, in like normal light. Okay, okay. I was like, oh, that's Colin Farrell. No way. I still can't believe. I still can't believe it's Colin Farrell. Like even in this, like I'm just like, how the hell is that? Co-? Doesn't sound anything like him. Doesn't look. I mean, he never sounds like him, obviously. Um, in literally every performance, except in Bruges. Yeah, in Bruges, he sounds like Colin Farrell. Um, yeah, no, it was cool. I really liked it. It was like, but it, it, I guess the idea of like getting a penguin spinoff was sort of sounded a bit weird to me at first. But like seeing this was like, oh, I get it. Like it's this is going to be dope. It's like a mobster story with, with like the same totally like cinematography and lighting like taken out of the film and get that on TV. Pretty damn cool. And it looked like they were sort of setting up different, like, I don't know uh, how you describe it, like interesting conflicts with the different factions in Gotham and stuff that you'd want out of a mobster sort of story, you know? Is this going to be a central viewing for Batman 2, do you reckon? Um, good question. I doubt it'd be essential. But I think it'd be additive. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd assume so. I assume he's in the Batman 2. He'd have to be. Oh, yeah, I reckon he would be. Yeah. 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 He's a new new fucking, like, leader, isn't he? Of Gotham, like... Took over Falcone, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Or was yeah. it Moroni? I can't remember. Falcone, I think. 
Who's Maroney? Maroney was the rival one that 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 Falcone snitched on. The two like no mob families are Maroney and Falcone. Okay. <laughs> they're both, they're in the Dark Knight as well. Yeah, like the two families. Yeah, it rings a bell. Yeah, I can't picture them to be honest. Um, we got anyone see the Continental Teaser? No. Okay, this is the John Wick show, um, set in the nineteen seventies, New York. Oh, set in the seventies. Yeah, and so weird. Like it reported that Mel Gibson's in this show. Um, has been known. That's been known for like a year and a half, and he was nowhere to be seen in this trailer. Uh, which I thought was kind of weird, to be honest. I thought, wouldn't you put Mel Gibson in your trailer? Um, anyway, um, this concerned me, this trailer. I don't know. It wasn't much. Uh, it was even less than the Penguin, actually. So um, it, I thought there wasn't much there. But um, I don't know. Like, some some of the way the scenes were lit and, like, just the briefest look ever. But I was like, I could already tell that Chad didn't direct this, you know, and it sort of got me a bit concerned. So... Uh, we'll see. Maybe it'd be cool in its own right and have a cool like story that's more expansive and stuff, and that's cool. But like, just from a pure uh, visual perspective, right off the bat, I was like, something. It just felt off a little bit to me. Now it's time for our highlights of the week. Fitzy, what have you been watching? I watched Beef, um, which is a new Netflix show. I had a feeling someone was going to talk about this. Have you seen all of it? Yeah, I watched all of it. I I, I want to watch this with my brother, but okay. Yeah. Um. It's really great. Um, it basically starts off as he doesn't. Yeah, is that the premise, right? It's like a road rage thing, and then these two people hate each other, and they kind of um, elevate their, you know, their actions against each other. Um, but the show is like really smart in how it follows each character and kind of um, it, it, it slowly expands on the characters around these two as well and just kind of becomes about their lives kind of becomes a normal drama with like you know everyday problems and shit um but she's like an unfulfilled you know like plant business small business owner and he's like a failing contractor i guess um so they're kind of opposite they're kind of opposite sides of the spectrum but they both have like an intense kind of anger i guess um but i don't know the show's just fucking great you know it just every uh, like every episode ends on the perfect note with like the perfect song, you know. It's just so. They're only really thirty minutes, right? Um. Yeah. Yeah. And how many? It's ten episodes. Okay. And is it is it full comedy or is it this whole dramedy thing? Um, a dramedy, I guess. It's like I don't know. My dad described it as a dark comedy, but I don't. I don't think it's really that dark. It's kind of just. Okay. Comedy drama mix, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, very fucking good show. Andrew Santino's in it, right? He he's 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 the white ranger with the beard. Oh. Is there a ranger in it with a beard? There's a ranger with a beard. Maybe maybe like a not a big beard. No, not a big beard. He's got a beard though. Is it? Is it, who's he? Is he the end? John Wick too? No, 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 no. He's a comedian that. Uh, oh, sure. That me and my brother like, and we saw him in Melbourne three weeks ago, and I think he's in that. Oh, he's sure. in? well, the redhead is like a comedic character. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's him. Jake was telling me I think he's in it. But. When you said Santino, my mind just went to John Wick too, because there's a character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. Very good. I'm excited to see that. Um, I watched, as I alluded to earlier, Air, and uh, yeah, it's good. It's a good movie. You know? Yeah. I don't know. It's like one of those. 
not that like the story is predictable, but like I don't know, what, like feel good true story. You know, I feel like we we understand what that is. So, what's it about though? Is it about the creation of Air Max as well? The creation of the Air Jordan brand. Um, who's the character? Like, what's the guy's name? Um, his name is Sonny. The guy who Matt Damon plays is Sonny something. Uh, he was he was a real Nike. He was Nike's basketball scout in the eighties. And the whole thing is about how Nike's. You say Nike now. What? Oh god, let's not. Oh, let's not debate how to say Nike. We all know it's Nike. The film's Nike. All right, it's Nike. Um, I don't. Oh yeah, no, I'm sorry, I won't do that. Um, <laughs> um, he, he, the whole thing is about how like Nike's sort of failing at the time as a, like trending down as a business and their basketball divisions like shit house basically, and Sonny's their scout and he's sort of like the head of the division and. Um, he wants to like, he wants to put a gamble on like, without getting into like the, the business stuff they talk about, it's like, basically he wants to invest all of their budget into Michael Jordan and it's like, but that's like radical to do that, you know? So it's about like how they try and court Michael Jordan and they try and like pitch him on this shoe line and it's all like totally unheard of stuff that they try and pull off with him. Um, but yeah, anyway. Was that you? Yeah, because I I think there, I think there was a Netflix document there, there's a Netflix documentary series that like could t- each episode took a focus on different artists and I'm, I think the first one was about Nike um and and the guy that created I, I think it's about that guy Sonny. Oh okay okay I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, Jason Bateman's in and he's he's I like Jason Bateman um Ben Affleck's there as Phil Knight who's the um oh actually the famous Nike CEO yeah that that name sounds familiar maybe it was about him. Oh. No, I think it was about Sonny. I think it was about Sonny. They changed the the poster and backdrop on Letterboxd. And it, it used to be like Ben Affleck looking forward with his like glasses on. And now it's just him like leaning on a desk with his feet. Like That's more accurate to the character. Him leaning with the, with the feet on the desk is like yeah, sort of more. So now it's just a feed shot on Letterboxd of uh, Ben Affleck. So if you guys want to. Yeah, if you guys want to check out Ben Affleck's feet, you know where to go. Um, I mean, for me, like. Yeah, enjoyable movie, really well made, great cast, um, great acting. All you know, I really liked it. But um, the the main sort of takeaway was I like I, I really appreciate Ben Affleck's filmography more these days, and it's it's his first film since twenty sixteen, I think. Since um, the town? No, no, since um the accountant, right? Live. He didn't direct the accountant. I didn't. Live by live by night, right? I think that's what it's called. Is that what it's called? Oh right. I think that's what it's called. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That was it. I was looking last night. Yeah, so Live by Night um, was the last film he made in 2016, and it's the only film of his I haven't seen. So I need to watch that just to complete Mr. Affleck's filmography. How many has he got? He's got this. Is this was his fifth film? Fifth. Well, so you got you got Argo, Gone Baby Gone, The Town, Live by Night. Oh, yeah. right, sure. Right, Argo, <laughs> Gone Baby Gone, The Town. Live by night. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and he did a really good job, and he's really good in the movie too. I'm a big Ben Affleck guy, so yeah, yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed it. What about you, Jaden? Do you guys want to pick? Since we're in person, you got to give me options though. Oh, okay. Everything be everything above social network, I think. Oh shit! Options are. <laughs> um. You're watching TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't think I did. What about Evil Dead? Why was that so bad? Uh, so, like, I'm not I'm not a massive fan of the original Evil Dead either. Like, Sam Raimi just isn't really my guy. Um, I think Army of Darkness is pretty good. Like, Army, Army of Darkness is pretty considerably better than the original Evil Dead's. 
Um, but like, so like this remake going into it, I wasn't entirely hopeful of it. But like the poster touts it as like you know one of the scariest movies ever, and like I've seen, I've seen that kind of you know as a common thing to to advertise horror movies as. But I've seen it echoed around, so I was like maybe um, it's, it's just really like this kind of story is not my story really. Um, the characters suck, really. They just really shit. I don't know. It's like it's it it just feels entirely mediocre. And the thing is, like the guy that directed it. Um, Feta and Al- Alvarez or something like that. Um, he did Don't Look, uh, not Don't Look, fuck, um, Don't Breathe, um, which I quite like. Um, but this this just wasn't it. And I, I, th- I think it just comes down to not enjoying the story of the original and not enjoying the way it's presented here Was again. it like a full remake? Yeah, it's a full remake. Um, a shot by shot? Or? No, but it's pr- like, like have, you, have you seen the original? No. No, I've got an idea of like, but it, it follows all the same beats, but kind of recontextualizes it a bit, a bit, because instead of just being five kids in the woods, it's it's they go there to help one of them kick a drug addiction. So like that kind of plays a a minor kind of angle, um, but like even like even horror wise, it's not even scarier for like a modern remake. But it goes it goes kind of down that that angle of like the 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 early noughties kind of remakes of like full-on gore full-on trying to make it disgusting as possible which i'm not really a massive fan of like i like i like my gore i think it's great but like the way it's presented isn't really the second fun. one the new one looked really gory like it looked like the it evil lame. dead rises or whatever it is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean that's part of why i watched it as well because i was like no I, I thought maybe go for that one but um yeah it would not for me but army of darkness is great Fair enough. nice very good very good All right. I'm trying to take advantage of the fact we're on video, you know? But um, I thought we're not going to acknowledge them. We can. Have we noticed the reel yet? No. No, we haven't talked about that. We've got a literal film reel sitting here. It's like actually in the perfect angle of our logo too, by the way. How good's this branding? It's all... This is genuine as well. I can't recall, like, when, when, when you got... The, there was a case for it with the name of the film that used to sit on here, but I can't recall what, what film it was. Oh, really? Yeah. That's fantastic. Dude, I love it so much. It's so good. Do all reels have six... Holes in them, but this one has like that special, like a uh, this like n- like one with like the the, the divot and thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To indicate like I don't know something. Andy can answer what that what this like special shape is for. Right, great stuff. All right, <laughs> now comes the segment where we hand the show over to you with our question of the show. Last week we asked you, what is the best cinema effect moment in history? Sounds a little more grandiose than I intended, but yeah. Um, Andy said. Nothing will come close to Liam's children in the wardrobe scandal on this show. But my handpicked best moments in cinema effect history is the show's first ever episode on a Hong Kong film, which was Infernal Affairs. Um, that le- that lost episode of The Founder due to Jaden's missing audio and Zach trying to pronounce Koyanis Katsi. Did I get it? Koyanis Katsi. Close enough? Close enough. Thank God. Better than what it was first. Thank you. I'm learning. Um, bonus points for when Luke also tried to do bear jokes on the show. Tried is the key word there, for sure. Thank you, Andy. Some good shouts. Yeah, I must admit, I, I didn't think of the founder because scrolling through, it's not there. Oh, is it? <laughs> but that, that was a I, – I wouldn't call that our best moment. It was memorable, though, for what, for what it meant for lore, I guess. I don't know. Do we, um, we just didn't have an episode that week, right? Yeah. No. But we recorded and we, we put in all the rest of the effort. So as far as I'm concerned, we've never missed still. You know. That was like one of our most scuffed episodes, though, wasn't it? Like, that was meant to be, did it? 
Just no, no, it wasn't that bad. Bro. It was okay. Yeah. yeah, I get what you mean. Like, it, it, like it'd be in the lower tier for sure. But I didn't think it wasn't like it could. It, it was fine, in my opinion. But I don't know. I also haven't ever listened to it, so I don't know. Obviously, um, Luke said, "Well, I'm tempted to say Liam's basement children trying to escape mid episode." Um, I think the best really moment, taking the heat, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. podcast. <laughs> and I love how it's turned into it's turned from like oh the idea that you just, you hear children in the basement from Liam's basement children trying Bro, to escape, like, like, like it's an actual event that was taking place. But yeah, um, I think the best moment is when Jaden's mic cut out when he tried to access the where to watch feature on Letterboxd. The timing was perfect, and the hello afterwards was great. Yeah, that was hilarious. That was As a listener funny. to that episode, yeah. that was fucking funny. Yeah, that's, I'm so glad you think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, I think you'd probably argue a bit of recency bias, maybe? Maybe. It's hard to think back to fucking, what, 140 episodes yeah. ago and be like, oh. oh, yeah, that was a great moment too. Oh, but like, so yeah, like like 100%, like that is, no, like, like uh, it's, it's funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's totally funny. Um, did you manage to find anything? Well, for my answer? Yeah. Yeah, um... Well, as a, as a participant in the show, I, I, I like as, as I was flicking through, you know, before trying to find something, um, the Tenet episode caught my eye. And I think being here, recording it, and then being able to bring Tenet up on the TV got me so excited, man. Um, <laughs> like the fact that, like, you know, we're here yeah. playing through it, scratching through it, you know, I was like, like th- that excites me. So, yeah. That's a great answer. I, I re-listened to a little bit of that last night, like I said, but... um. I listened to the part where we had the realization of the TV in the room, yeah. and we're like, "Wait, is there an HDMI?" And like, we were doing that whole thing. That was that. that I wrote that down. That was funny. I, yeah, I really like that. Um, for me, um, <laughs> you doing the Al Pacino in Scarface impression on the awards episode specifically, really? it, it killed me. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Um, and you did in the episode, in the real episode too. But like the way it was brought back in the awards is hilarious to me. Um, also, shout out to when, I mean. No one saw it, so it's not that good. But for me, when I fell off my stool, that was something. Like, was that? <laughs> I enjoyed that. Um, see, that's good. You didn't even remember it. No one was embarrassed by it except me. That's funny. I think it was – I want to say it's it was – recent. I want to say it was like Kung Fu House. I think Annie was there. I think. Annie, feel free to correct me. I just fell off the back of it. And I'm shocked it's only happened once. I, I've recorded on a stool for like 130 episodes or whatever, and I only fell off it once. I think that's pretty impressive, to be honest. Um <laughs> <laughs> just being honest. Um, the objective best moment, though, is is Phantom Thread when you join the show, Dan, for the first time. Surely. I mean, we can't say the first episode. It doesn't count. It's not a best moment. It's just, no, it's yeah. just the first moment. No, I was going to say something about Jane. Yeah, Jane joining the show. Oh, yeah, it was great. Have you re-listened to the moment you joined? Back back then, I I like I listened to the episodes after 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 they went out, but like I haven't gone back. Not in a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd hate it if you did it. God, I'd, I'd be, I'd be fu- like... Uh, I can't. I can't even imagine it, man. Like, yeah, I went through the ringer. Like, let's go for this question. Oh, did you listen to a lot of them? Oh, no, no, I listened to some. Uh, some of them. I listened to our Midnight in Paris episode. Oh yeah, that was a bit. That was alright. I was a bit. I, I thought Midnight in Paris was decent for yeah. us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was fifty-four yeah. minutes. But. Oh, was it? But well, that's because Andy was meant to be there to fill some time. But yeah, what the hell, Andy? Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, what'd you come up? Oh, um, I'm glad you. The funniest the thing. For me, it was uh, episode 42. Oh, when we came back for the second year uh, and Zach had explains why we're doing a double feature on Undertow, <laughs> and he very, very slowly explains for two minutes 
How he watched the wrong movie. <laughs> it was fucking funny to listen to, listen back to. Um, but the funniest thing is like me and Jay not even laughing or saying anything. It's just Zach explaining for like a few minutes. <laughs> I, I I had I, I took note of the double feature as well as like I was, I was like there's something to bring up. Yeah, yeah, that is funny. Yeah, I can't. I still I I, I still don't think I can forgive you for making me watch Undertow 2003. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it really sucked. Um. Wait, wait. That's the best moment. Um, I, I didn't watch that much. Maybe I'm misleading it, but yeah, that was that was funny to me. I think another moment that I really like, just while, while we're here, is is reading Spooky's review of Little Women, where it's just just singing oh. it's singing its praises. Oh, that's six, out of six out of ten. Classic. But that was the first time. That was the first time it happened. And yeah, that's why, yeah, yeah. Now it's a staple, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Andy and Luke, for writing in. Of course, some of the cornerstones of the Cinema Effect community. Thank you very much. But yeah. Alright. Wait, what do I do now? Oh yeah, as always, we'd love you to submit your responses, thoughts, reviews for next week's film in the YouTube comment section. Leave us a comment on Instagram or Spotify or join the Discord server. You should do that, by the way. Um, this week, the specific question we'll be asking you is, what? Um, uh, uh, since it's, since we're doing a Quentin Tarantino feature, um, I think it's appropriate that we ask uh, best feet in Hollywood. Best feet in Hollywood? Wait, what? Oh, fuck, we're in Jackie Brown. Right. I, I I wrote down a potential Indiana Jones question. Yeah. Uh, now it's around. Nah, um, uh, yeah. Uh, um, what's something Tarantino best we can ask? Have we asked best Tarantino movie? I feel like we probably discussed it when we did Hateful Eight. We did the Hateful Eight. Yeah. We haven't done anything else. I don't think so. All right. Very good. What is your favorite Quentin Tarantino picture? Let us know. Um, okay. That's it for this week's episode of Cinema Effect. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Fitzy, what are we doing next week? Um, we're doing Jackie Brown, which is on Stan. Um, so, yeah, get behind it. Is that like the longest standing movie on Stan? I feel like it's been on Stan for like five years. I think it disappeared and came back. Did it? Every time, like I've been thinking about watching it for years and every time it's just still on Stan. Yeah. yeah. Every time I've rewatched it, it's been just sitting there, yeah. chilling. But like that's like most of Tarantino's films are on Stan, right? Sorry? Most of Tarantino's films are on Stan. Sure. Yeah, I think, I think there's a decent amount. Very good. All right, that's it. Episode 150 in person in the can on film. I'm looking forward for people like, now they can go back and like dissect and like, what's Jaden doing with his hand there? You know, like there's, it opens a whole new layer here. I don't know about it. but uh, This isn't a regular occurrence, by the way. Oh, yeah, no, we're doing this every episode now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, appreciate everyone listening. Appreciate you guys for joining me here as always, especially having a it drove half an hour, you know? Yeah. More than that. You don't mind? How'd you go with that, by the way? Fine, although the traffic was, like, really annoying. I don't know. Yeah. It was, like, there's just slow people, you know? Yeah. Traffic light, red lights, raining, so people are slow in the rain. Wait, did you come through town? Through town? Yeah. No. No. Where'd you get off the highway? Huh? Where did you get off the highway? I just took the... Well, what do you mean? I think you did come through town. Which exit did you take? You went past, did you go past the stadium? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. you came through down. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought you meant like. You can take the ring road. Go. And then a few exits. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. I, I, I never do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you just want to skip the track. I don't know. Episode 200. <laughs> take a note. All right. That's it. Have a great rest of your week, everyone, and goodbye. <laughs>